0: Hey you, how are you? I want you to really take a minute and think about that question. You know, when people ask us, "Hey, how you doing? How are you? What's up? How far?" You know, all the little slangs for um, what's going on. Um, so most of the time, we just rattle off the first thing on our mind. Oh, I'm all right. I'm okay. Oh, I'm good. You know, I'm 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 here. You know, we make we say all these things, and. You know, we never really take a minute to actually think, how am I doing? And so here we are 20 days into 2022, and I'm inviting you to take a minute with me. Think about how you're doing. How are you? How have the last 20 days been? Have they been cool? Have they been annoying? Has it been a little bit of both? Um, I really want you to take stock of where you are 20 days into 2022. Um, and really think about it. And it's okay if you're not okay, right? That's um, that's absolutely a thing. It's okay to be in a place like, yo, I don't know what's happening with this year. I don't know what this year is going to do, but based off of what it's doing now, I'm already over it. If that's where you are, so be it. You know, if you are on the other end of that spectrum and you're like, oh, 2022 is great, <laughs> Great things have already happened. You know, I'm, I'm moving and grooving. Praise God for that too, right? So it, it it just is what it is. But I think sometimes we just coast. We just move through life. And so I'm inviting you today, 20 days in, to take stock, take inventory. Ask yourself those questions. How am I doing? How are you? And really think it through. And it's okay, whatever the answer might be. But it's, it's important to establish where you are so that you know how to get to where you need to be. All right. Now we have been talking about a bunch of things, right? You have what you need to do what the father wants. And I know that some of you who looked, who listened to, if you haven't listened to the intro scene for agony and heartache, which is what we're about to dive into, go ahead and pause. Go ahead and stop right here and listen to that first. But I know that when a lot of us saw that email, I got a lot of comments, (laughs) a lot of comments like, what, you know, where did that come from? What happened? Are you okay? And this, that, and the other. And I laughed uh, through each one, through each text, through each email. Um, And I understand, I understand because I went, basically went from get excited about 2022 and then i started talking about agony and heartache like Waker, what you talking about and i understand um but it's important it's important that we dive into a subject like heartache and agony at the beginning um because the bible tells us that in this world you will have trouble not you might when jesus said that to the disciples he wasn't like Trying to be cute, he wasn't trying to be like, Oh, doomsday is coming, get ready for Armageddon. No, he wasn't, um, you know, just saying something just to say it. He meant that thing in this world, you will have troubles. Yes, you are my disciples, yes, you've been following me for the last three years, yes, you've been seeing the miracles, you've seen the, the dead rays, you've seen all these things, and I'm still telling you that in this world. You will have troubles. You have me, but you will also have troubles. And so, when, when if the Lord could say that to the disciples, and they had him physically right there, you know what makes it—it it, it makes it all the more important for me and you who have him, but not physically, right? He's very much alive. He's very much alive in us, but he's not here where I can lay hands on him and see him like they could. And so if he could say that to them, what do you think he would say to us? And so agony and heartache is something we can't run away from. It's something we can't uh, act like it's never gonna come. We've all been there. And as long as life is life, we will likely be there again. In a place where it temporarily feels like all hope is lost. So many different things can cause us to suffer heartache and different levels of agony. And so as we get into the year, it's important that we start the year off planning for what we know will come, right? The Lord already said it. You will have, in this world, you will have troubles. So if we know it's coming, why wouldn't we prepare for it? Why wouldn't we get ready? It's the umbrella in your car for a rainy day, right? It's the first day kit in your purse hello moms you know because your child might fall down in the at the park or somewhere you know we we do these things we do little things like that to prepare for days where we'll need them you know you keep a bottle of water in your car because you don't know when you're gonna forget your water bottle you do all these things and so let's prep let's prep for what might come and for some of us we've already endured some agony and heartache and we're only 20 days in and so it's important like I said to prepare so let's prepare there are different levels of agony, different things that cause agony. One of the ones that we've seen the most over the couple of the last couple years, right, because of COVID is illness. Illness from COVID-19 to cancer, the past two years has taught us all a little more about how hopeless and isolating about with illness can be. Even when you know that there's light on the other side of the 14 days, then 10 days, then five days, and who knows what it's going to be tomorrow. Even when you know that there's hope, even when you're surrounded by a community and family that's lifting you up, enduring just that time frame alone is enough to make you feel like life sucks. You ever had a bad flu and you had to be isolated for a number of days? Just the isolation is enough to make you feel like, yo, this is the pits, And then imagine if you've never dealt with cancer or you've never dealt with uh, uh, a diagnosis that's a little more severe, imagine what that looks like. Imagine something more daunting like cancer. And imagine the heartache that would ensue if you got that diagnosis. If they came to you and said, hey, you got six months to live. You know, if you heard that about your mother, about a cousin, about a friend, a brother, So illness, illness is absolutely something that can cause agony and can cause heartache. A death. We have heard so much about death in the last two years and and not like death all of a sudden became a thing. Death has always been there. But for some reason, In the last two years, death has become so much more real, so much more severe. And so whether we're talking about a parent, a sibling, a friend, a cousin, an uncle, an aunt, a neighbor, a colleague, death is so hard. It's the perceived finality of it. So many things in life are replaceable. I break this, I go get another one. This is now empty, I go get a refill. You know? But life is not one of those things. And so when you're thinking about death and the agony that death caused, you have to remember that this is, is, to know that I can never hear of your voice again. See your smile. Smell your unique fragrance. Or feel your embrace. To know that all I have are past memories. That there will be nothing new from you from henceforth. Is more than enough to make life less worthy of me, to make it feel like, yo, life right now is not worth living. And so death is absolutely one of those things that happen that make us suffer agony and heartache. In the intro scene, you know, the the, the phrase that I kept repeating is my eyes hurt. Tears, tears, the unending flow of tears in death. Whether it's a funeral or even even after a person has been buried. I have so many friends who are burying parents and and loved ones. And it's just so difficult. It's so difficult. Yes, I look forward to seeing you in eternity. But to think that I have to live the rest of my life here on earth without you makes me want to just choke. And so you have big things like illness. And death, and then you have what I will call smaller things like a layoff. You know, COVID again, COVID, because of COVID, we're seeing so many different forms of agony coming up and the layoff is absolutely one of them. And so I don't want you to think that I'm talking only about those big things that happen that literally shake the foundations of your earth. Sometimes it could be the little big things like a layoff that, that make you feel like, yo, I cannot believe that this is what I'm dealing with. I cannot believe that this is what I'm dealing with in 2022. We live in a world where so much of who we are is defined by what we do. Most of us spend a day, a third of our day rather, sleeping, another third of our day working, and then that final third of our day doing every single thing else. So when what occupies a whole third of my life is taken away, not only do the financial ramifications weigh on us. The identity crisis that comes after is often more severe than the, than the layoff itself. It's absolutely capable of keeping us sinking day after day. The longer you go without a job, right? You know, because again, we live in a world where we define ourselves in what we do. You know, you go up to the, 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 a random person and you say, hey, who are you? They'll tell you, oh, I'm a nurse, Oh, who are you? Oh, I'm a professor at uh, MIT. Oh, who are you? Oh, I'm a mom. Oh, who are you? Oh, you know, I'm an internal auditor. You see what I'm saying? We, we, We define ourselves on the things that we do. And so when that's taken away, it absolutely can cause agony and heartache because now I don't know what to say about me. And we can talk about the, the merit or the, the damage, the negativity or whatever in, 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 in qualifying yourself or, or, or um, calling yourself an occupation. I know that that's a whole nother uh, uh, can of worms that we, we, we won't open today. But the, just the fact of, of it remains that a layoff can really cause agony or maybe it's a breakup. Again, not necessarily life ending like death or a sickness, but it's absolutely possible that a breakup can cause your whole world to be shattered. Because you thought this was it. You thought that that three-year investment would yield a lifetime of smiles, and now it's over? Are you kidding me? You find yourself grieving the loss of the future you perceived, as well as grappling with the time you will never get back. And so the resulting heartache of time wasted In addition to the heartache of now having to unweave my heart from someone, I was weaving my heart with thinking that this was it. So you can see that there are so many levels, so many levels of agony and heartache. I wasted my time. Everything I did, I wasted money. Probably, especially if I'm talking to my guy friends, you know, who are trying to wind and down ladies out here, you know, and and it doesn't work out. So not only has time been wasted, not only has my heart been broken, but now money has been wasted. You see what I'm saying? And so all these things, all these agonies, all these levels of agony are compounding and compounding, causing major, major heartache. Or maybe it's something as simple as a need that's unmet. A prolonged need. Lord, you know I need a car and yet day after day I'm stuck on the bus. Heartache. Lord, you know I need a spouse, but I'm 32 and still coming home to an empty apartment. Lord, you know I need entry into this program, but I've been denied three times already. Lord, you know I need to pass this board exam, and here I am taking it for the fifth time. A need unmet. Lord, you know I need children but I'm on my fourth round of IVF. Lord, you know I need a job yesterday, but I haven't had one interview this month. Lord, my marriage needs your attention, Where we've been living like roommates for 10 years going on 11. In the midst of needs that persist, even when they aren't necessarily life or death, agony is often a byproduct. Think about that thing that you've been praying for. That thing that you have put on your list every year since 2015, 2014, 18. that thing, that thing can cause agony. Lord, why haven't you done it yet? Don't you see it? Don't you hear me when I'm praying? Where are you? And so I want to, again, make sure that we understand that agony just doesn't, it's not just... The tissues and the the, the the blowing noses that come as a result of a death. You know, when you think of agony and heartache, don't just let your mind go to a funeral. Agony and heartache could be just your everyday life. Waking up day after day and not understanding why things are the way they are. And this is just how it is. Life be life in y'all general hardship, maybe financial strain, relationship drama, even social unrest. There was a time in the last two years, you know, where it just felt like every day we were being bombarded with one thing or the next. Social unrest, social unjust, or injustice. The state of the world, you know, there are people who are so burdened by the amount of hunger in the world the amount of undocumented immigrants trying to get in seeking asylum there was a recently afghanistan in the middle east and all that has happened there has been uh playing out in the news and causing people to wonder and and get uh, upset and sad and cry and so it's not again it's not just the big things that are happening in your life or in the lives of the people around you sometimes Agony and heartache can simply be just because of me being in the world that I'm in. All these things and more can cause you to cry yourself to sleep and then wake up the next morning temporarily wishing you could sleep forever, telling yourself, my, my eyes hurt. Yo, I don't feel like dealing with today. Maybe you failed an exam, agony, an exam you thought you were going to ace, heartache, But in the midst of all these things and more, okay, add to the list. This is in in no way an exhaustive list. But in the midst of all these things, the first thing I want to encourage you on, the first thing I want you to put in your arsenal, right, for when these days come, if they're here already or if they're going to come next week in a month, in six months, in eight, whenever they get here, I want you to remind yourself that you're not alone. Because that's the first thing the enemy will always try to do. Make you feel like you're the only one going through what you've been through. But something, but like my mother always says, there is nothing new under the sun. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, there is no temptation that is not common to man. Nothing new. You're not alone. You're in the company of many others. Biblical heroes included. So I'm not just talking about... The lay people, okay, lay, take that lightly. The lay people of today, myself included, right? Oh, the the, the girl from down the street, the, 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 the woman in your church, um, the old oh, oh boy you went to school with. I'm not just talking about those people. I'm talking about Bible heroes. They also went through the things I'm telling you. Because again, when the Lord said to his disciples, in this world, you will have troubles. He wasn't just talking to people who, who loved the Lord. He wasn't just talking to people who are unbelievers. He wasn't just talking to people who are this or that. He was talking to all people. All people go through these things. So the first thing to remind yourself of, when these days come, not if, but when, is that you are not alone. You are in the company of others. Hebrews 12 tells us that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And while this refers to witnesses of the faith, the same can be inferred about the opposite. Just like we can look to the Bible to find out what to do, so also we can look to the Bible to find examples of what not to do. You are not alone. Others have dealt with exactly what you're dealing with now. Your situation would have you believe that you're the only person on planet Earth struggling in this moment. But that is false. Somehow knowing that other people are also dealing with stuff helps me to know that I'm okay. And so hear me loud and clear when I tell you, you are not alone. In the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your agony, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your temptation, in the midst of your heartache in the midst of everything you're going through. You are not alone. Do you realize that Elijah prayed for death? He said, Lord, take my life. In first Kings chapter 19, verse four, he was in trouble with the law. Ahab and Jezebel wanted to execute him after what happened on Mount Carmel, right? Um, Where essentially, it was a contest between baal and the lord and he said hey call down fire they couldn't call down fire he poured wood he poured water over the wood that was on his altar he filled trenches with water and called down fire and fire came as 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 we know it would and now ahab and jezebel are upset right they've made a mockery of their god and they're upset and so Elijah's life is, at, is, is on the line. And after all that he has just done, he prayed for death. He said, Lord, take my life. Do you see agony and heartache there in Elijah the prophet? Rebecca. Rebecca said, I am weary of my life because of her son's wife. Family literally, literally drove her to extreme heartache. I am weary of my life. As in, you know what? This thing called life, I'm over it. It could go right now. All because of her son's wife. And so family, that's something I could have listed as well. Family can literally, woo, family. Family can literally drive you to that point. Agony and heartache, disappointment, um, wrath. Sometimes family can take you to that point. And Rebecca showed us that when she said, I am weary of my life. In Genesis chapter 27, verse 46, Jonah said, please, he begged, hello, please, please take my life for it is better to die than to live in Jonah chapter four, verse three all because he didn't want to do what the Lord asked him to do. Remember what I told you before, you have what it takes. He had what it takes, but he didn't want to do it. He had a hard time laying down his will. Jonah was upset with the Lord for simply being himself. He couldn't understand his mercy to a people who he felt didn't deserve it. Jonah was dramatic, yes, but bring it home for a minute. Have you ever been so completely disturbed by someone? Who received mercy that it that it infuriates you to despair? Someone who, by your estimation, should have been severely punished, but wasn't. It's the same thing. So when Jonas looks at the Lord and says, Please take my life, for it is better to live than to die. Excuse me, it is better to die than to live. Yes, he's being dramatic, but bring that thing home. Don't read the Bible like for real, Jonah could you get it together no look at yourself when was the last when did that ever happen to you yo he really should have got the death penalty and it and it ruins your whole day you know a boss who didn't who didn't acknowledge that you did it correctly and and your coworker did it wrong but the coworker gets applause and you're like are you serious or maybe you had teamwork group work um At school, at work, whatever the case. And you did all the work. You were the one up till 3 a.m. You were the one typing this and PowerPoint in that. And here we go. Day after the, the presentation, someone else gets all the credit. And if that has ever infuriated you or caused any kind of agony, then you can now see where Jonah was. Jesus on the cross dealt with agony. He said, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabathani, Lord, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? In doing the right thing, he still, his reward, so to speak, was separation from his father, his source, his everything. But wait now, I was doing the right thing. I'm not separated from you because I'm in error, because I'm in sin. So when you look at agony, don't just look at it from the standpoint of us people. Even the Lord himself suffered. And then let's talk about Job. In Job chapter three, the Bible says after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed his birthday. And Job said, let the day perish wherein I was born. Verse three. Verse 11, why was I not stillborn? Why did I not give up the ghost when my mother bore me? Verse 16, Or why was I not a miscarriage, hidden and put away as infants who never saw light? Verse 20, why is light of life given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter soul? Verse 24, for my sighings come before my food and my groanings are poured out like water. Job's eyes hurt. My groanings are poured out like water. My sighing comes before my food. I can't even eat because of the agony of my soul, because of the heartache that I'm going through. So in the midst of your anguish, take comfort in the fact that there are people smiling from heaven who endured the same emotions you now have coursing through your veins. You are not alone you aren't the first and you won't be the last to go through this so re- resist the urge to isolate like the enemy would have you do because that's what he's going to tell you you're the only one. Oh, that for real ain't nobody else like you everybody else is out there thriving and smiling everybody out there is winning and 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 and, and getting raises and here you are laid off Philippians 3:10 speaks to the fellowship of his suffering. Did you know that there was fellowship in suffering? That as fellows, we are in the same ship of his Jesus Christ suffering. And while this speaks to a specific type of suffering, persecution as a result of living for Christ, it still drives home the point. Even in suffering, there is fellowship. So not only am I like these people, I'm also like my father. And I can fellowship with him even in my sufferings. We're on the same boat, y'all. I also want you to remember this. The devil will conveniently remind you when you least need this reminder of all the other examples of people who are in better situations than you. You just broke up after a two year relationship, but Shelly got married and is pregnant with triplets and she only dated for six months. You see how the enemy will bring that to your attention. You know, you're scrolling and you see the big announcement. You see the gender reveal. You see this and you see that, but you just broke up after two years of an investment with somebody. But Shelly was with this dude for six months. Now they're married. She's pregnant with triplets. Do you see how the enemy will just comf- not conflate, but he will make things so much bigger in your mind, right? Just to make sure it drives home the point. You're the only one in this. You went the boat all by yourself, but he's a liar, and he always has been. You got laid off after six years of hard work, but Eric just got promoted to senior VP after six months. Your health is on life support. But your cousin just ran her fifth marathon this year. This is what he does. This is his MO. So I need you to know and recognize his mode of operation. This is what he does. So when it comes, don't be shocked. Don't be floored. Don't even act like, oh, just expect it. Brace for the impact before it even comes. So you're not fooled by it next time. Expect it the unsolicited reminders of what you want and don't have and who you desire to be but aren't yet. In your lowest moment, the enemy will always give us comparisons. Always. Think about Cain in Genesis chapter 4, right after his offering had been rejected by the Lord. In walks Abel. In all his supposed perfection, right? If this, if it was a show, if it was Hollywood, he would float in on clouds with the halo around his neck holding a harp. Like, ah, you know, that kind of scene. That's what it would have been. Cain's offering has just been rejected. But here comes Abel. Do you see how comparison will will literally increase your agony and heartache if you allow it to? I'm sure that's how the enemy glorifies the accepted glorified the accepted offering in Cain's mind. He will always show you what you are not when you are at your lowest. And so the person who was likely his best friend, his brother, his favorite person in the world, suddenly turned into his greatest reminder of failure. In an instant, because of the enemy in comparison, his best friend turned into his greatest competition. The same is true for David and King Saul. After a beautiful victory over Goliath and the Philistines, the entire kingdom of Israel should have been rejoicing. But that joy gave way to years of agony when Saul realized that David did and was what he could not. and was not. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 says lift up over all the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. You know what's coming. So lift up your shield in advance so that his Antics don't penetrate. Agony isn't a fun place to be, but take heart, knowing that others have endured this very thing and have come out victorious. So two things to remember. Again, you are not alone. We are all in the ship of his suffering, right? We are all fellows in the ship of his suffering. So you are not alone. From God our Father to the lamest, person the most lay person on this earth we have all endured hardship and we all will and you are not alone number two the enemy will always give you comparisons in your lowest moments he will always give you comparisons he will always show you what you should have been and what you could have been and so know his antics and put up your shield of faith before he can even penetrate, before he can throw off his darts, put up your shield. Put up your shield. In the next two episodes, I want us to talk about in the next episode, part two, we're going to talk about why heartache is necessary. What you say? Necessary. I know Is I, I, I might as well have cursed, but it is necessary. It's needed for you and for me. And we'll explore that next time. Remember. All you need for life and for godliness has been given to you. It's already given. It's already yours. It's already in you. I love you plenty.